Bonjour, Internet. I am Andy, here with Thomas. Hello. And uh, this is This Week International. So, uh, did you want to start with our first story? Okay, so our first story... Actually, before we start with our first story, I'm going to highlight some changes that are going to be coming to the podcast. First, we are going to quit reading news articles. Those take up a lot of time. Instead, we are just going to be summarizing the news. So we are basically going to be doing SparkNotes versions of news articles instead of 10-minute long drones (laughs) with a lot of irrelevant information in them that you probably aren't interested in hearing. If you want to hear news articles, you can DM us on Instagram at TWI12404 and we would be happy to send you some of the news articles we use for our paraphrasing. I think that's it. Yep. So anyway, let's get to our first topic. And our first topic is the Kuwait Emir. He just died a couple days ago. His name was Sheikh Sabah Al Ahmed Al Sabah. He died in an American hospital at age 91. He was generally viewed as a mediator and he was allied with the West. And he was notable for mediating tensions between the Arab Gulf states and Iran a couple times. And he will be succeeded by his half brother, Crown Prince Sheikh Nawaf Al Ahmed Al Sabah. And there's a 40-day period of national mourning, and the UN has declared him a distinguished statesman and an outstanding humanitarian. And not much will change. I mean, the only thing that could have possibly changed is the status of Kuwaiti-Israeli relations, but Kuwait, the majority of the people there do not want to recognize Israel, so I am highly skeptical that will happen. So, Andy, what do you think about that? Yeah, he's dead i mean what's the name of that who's taking over for him again um sheikh nawaf al ahmed al sabah sheikh nawaf al ahmed al sabah okay love the name um (laughs) but uh yeah it's definitely gonna be interesting to just see interesting to see what kuwait is like i mean i know kuwait was leaning towards democracy not too long ago i mean of course like they couldn't do that when you know their good buddy iraq tried to swallow them or whatever but uh yeah, yeah. it's funny you mentioned that because he was viewed positively by the international stage because of the way he acted during the gulf war people considered him a leader and a hero but i do yeah. think that uh maybe there will be some reforms But the Kuwaiti Emir, he actually still has quite a bit of power. It's not like the UK, where their monarch doesn't do anything, or Spain, where their monarch does even less. Or Belgium, or the Netherlands, or wherever. Or pretty much any European country, except for Liechtenstein and the Vatican. Maybe the monarch of Monaco does something. I don't remember. I don't think so, though. Actually, but, probably the most active monarch would be the monarch of the Vatican City, who also coincidentally yeah. happens to be the Pope. The Pope. <laughs> but even though, never get this confused, only coincidentally you see monarch and Pope. Under usual circumstances, there would be a monarch and a Pope. But in, in this case, 
in the, yeah, you know, it just so happens that every single time the Pope is recognized, he's the monarch of Vatican City. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Pope used to actually be fairly powerful. You're to the yeah. Pope states. Yes. Big deal. Yeah. They're always uh, causing a bunch of uh, stuff going on in Europe. They were always very important in the European field, I guess. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I just do find it interesting that we're kind of at the end of the era, but we're not there yet. Like, we definitely still have some emirs and princes and kings and stuff. Yeah, I mean... But then I kind of like, like it, though. It's just kind of fun to still have them. Like, hey. And hey, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. Uh, uh, it's, yeah. it's funny you mentioned that, because remember which one of us brought the story about Barbados stitching the Queen of England to the podcast? <laughs> like... Two episodes later, it's fun to have monarchs. So, uh, yeah. But yeah. anyway, do you have anything else you want to say about the Kuwaiti Emir? Uh, not really, no. Do you want to dive into the next story? Yeah, sure. Okay, so as you can imagine, there are racial tensions in South Africa. This we already Oh, wow, know. what a shock. <laughs> this we already know. But, uh... Recently, anti-immigrant sentiments have flared up again under the banner of hashtag put South Africans first. There have been many marches in the streets of Pretoria with protesters complaining about uh, immigrants from Zimbabwe and Nigeria. But what is different this time is it was almost exclusively organized on social media. And it's kind of weird, like, we could theoretically fight this if our podcast had Twitter, but it doesn't. It's kind of weird. But yeah, this xenophobia shows how Africa is being riled up by social media and its third some already existing prejudices. This, and this is what I find funny, particularly among poor and working class black South Africans against migrants and refugees from other countries. This phenomenon is called Afrophobia, which I thought is kind of odd. Basically, we're complaining about irregular migrants. So for a little background, South Africa has a long history of these types of protests. If you look up anti-immigration protests in South Africa, you'll get this exact same thing, which oddly happened around the exact same time last year in Johannesburg. These current ones happen in Pretoria, actually, two different places. But like this same thing, exact same thing happened in Johannesburg last year and in 2008. And the looters are actually, they're forcing many like uh, Somali and Egyptian-owned businesses to close because they're anti-immigrant, they're xenophobes. And this goes deeper than just people rioting. The anti-foreigner protests are actually intentional and coordinated. It was identified that Sefiso Jeffrey Gwala, a former South African National Defense Force Lance Corporal, had been behind one of the Twitter accounts that uh, was stirring these up at lowercase u, Lorato, capital L, their underscore pile, so spam them a bunch of pro-immigration stuff, people. The unmasked Twitter account holder and other Afrophobic, I guess that means the South African being afraid of other Africans, which I find kind of funny, and kind of not, because, like, they're all from Africa have been using the platform since last year to incite their thousands of followers along xenophobic lines. So I'll give you a list of hashtags that you can go try to destroy their anti-immigrant views. Hashtag put South Africans first. That's one you should definitely try and go take down. Hashtag 23 September clean essay, presumably clean essay of immigrants. Probably. Um, hashtag foreigners must go are all things that are 
trending in South Africa. And it's funny because instead of the traditional far-right parties in South Africa that you see defending racism, it's the DA, the Democratic Alliance, which is a center-right party trying to defuse all the anti-immigration sentiments going around South Africa. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I'm generally opposed to anti-immigrant beliefs. I'd say I'm pretty pro-immigration. I mean, I think that all immigration should try to be legal. I don't think that you should just have like open borders, but I don't like the idea of just a country rejecting a bunch of immigrants just because why not? And I'd have to look at the specific economic situation, but generally immigrants benefit the economy. I know at least here in the U.S., contrary to popular belief, immigrants actually do help the economy for, I believe, like 89% of people. And the yeah. other 11%, you can help with some social safety net policies. Yeah. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess it's very similar in South their, uh, Africa. Their whole thing, these far-right protesters, who I find it odd, like with all like the white nationalism that's gone on in South Africa, these protesters are actually bl mostly black protesters. Well, it's a majority that, black country. Well, yeah, true. But like, there's a, like, for as far as Africa goes, there's like a surprising number of white people in South Africa. Like, Luis Ustase, and he's, I think he was a famous golfer, is actually white, and he's from South Africa. But like, Elon Musk. What? Elon Musk. Oh, yeah, he's a white South African as well. Um, but like, their reasoning for this is that they think refugees are like taking their jobs. That's generally not true. Yeah, and, I highly doubt that. Like, why are they complaining about Nigerians? Like, like I know Zimbabwe can be kind of odd with, like, I think they have, like, a dictator. But, like, Nigeria is a democracy, even though it doesn't seem like it sometimes. It can't, It actually is a democracy. So, like, I mean, yeah, it's odd. And the funny thing is, too, like, I mean, it's kind of odd that the opposition party is controlling it. Because the African National Congress, they control South Africa's parliament. Forgive me for not knowing what it what the name for it is that off the bat, South Africa, please do. Um, try to look into that. But And they also control all of South Africa's provinces, except Western Cape, I believe it's called. It is a province there. Yes, Western Cape. By the way, I got province. the name of the parliament. It's the, uh, well, it's, uh, the lower house is called the National Assembly. Oh, National Assembly. Such a common name. I've never seemed to remember it. Yeah, But yeah, the only place the DA who is condemning, who I think I've only seen their name mentioned as far as condemning them, like the only province they control is Western Cape, which they have a pretty big majority in. But I, I kind of odd that like the ANC, well, Jacob Zuma, I know, is going to be briefing parliament on it, but he's South Africa's president for contests, if you don't yeah. know, South Africa's yeah. Yeah. He, he's president of South Africa. But I know he'll be addressing Parliament on this. I'm not sure when that'll happen. I watched a video from a week ago that said he will be addressing Parliament, so he could have already done it. The interesting thing about a Western Cape is that Western Cape is mostly inhabited by coloreds, not blacks, but coloreds, which is a term for basically a mixed-race South African and I guess they actually like that term there. I mean, if we use that here in the U.S. or we'd be we'd in be Canada, expelled. Yeah, no, that would be awful. Like, yeah, be, oh, you'd rightly be condemned. But yeah, if you if you uh, 
dear listener, are curious of what exactly a color looks like or if there are any famous colors. I'm curious. <laughs> um, Trevor Noah, if you've heard of him, he's a South oh, African oh, yeah. He is uh, originally colored, and he, of course, was born in South Africa during the apartheid oh, era. Yes. So, and like, do these wrote a book about it? Do these anti-migrant people really want another apartheid South Africa? Like, no, this is literally the exact same thing I said when the Black Lives Matter protests erupted in the United States. Like, are we doing, do you really want an apartheid United States? Like, isn't that what you're fighting against? Anyways. Well, I think it's different, in my opinion. And plus, I don't think apartheid... Well, it's different because apartheid was purely racial. Like, this would be more ethnic apartheid. Like, it'd be, I guess, like whites and native south africans at the top and then you'd have nigerians and somalis like it makes it doesn't make that much i just think they don't want foreigners like i don't even think they're that interested in like oppressing foreigners i just think they don't want them yeah they're anti-immigration just like you can go online and watch videos of like from the recent protests like like look at the dates when the videos were filmed because like some of them were from the 2008 protests some of them were probably earlier who knows some of them from the 2019 protests make sure you're finding a 2020 make sure you're finding a one a video about the 2020 protests and but like actually watch it because like it like they're building refugee camps for like somali and egyptian and zimbabwe or i don't know if somebody from zimbabwe so i'll just say there's people Zimbabwean, I don't know. Zimbabwean, yeah, Zimbabwean-owned businesses and, like, are closing, and so are, like, Nigerian-owned businesses. Plus, why are they targeting, like, Nigeria and Zimbabwe? It's like, why those two? But I don't know, like... Well, Zimbabwe is pretty poor. Zimbabwe is one of the poorest countries in Africa, I believe. I mean, you'll, yeah, I mean, like, no offense to Malawi, but not a lot of people can beat Malawi. Um, and then, and I think Nigeria, well, Nigeria's a massive country. Like, some people gotta be moving out. Like, it's like how some people leave China. Like, it's just like a massive country. Or so more, like, more known to us is leaving Central America, which, I mean, that's yeah. probably, that probably doesn't happen nearly as much as it does with people leaving China and people leaving, like, I don't know, Syria and stuff. But Yeah. And then the other thing I guess that's interesting to mention here is that I think there is a difference between hating immigrants and wanting to treat them like second-class citizens like for example in the 1880s when the u.s i think it was the 1880s when the u.s signed the chinese exclusion act or whatever it was called something like that when they basically just banned all immigration from china they weren't interested in letting chinese people in and then treating them as second-class citizens they just wanted them out like they they would rather have them out than have them there as second-class citizens that's definitely not the case for a uh, the black people in America at that point, but definitely for the Chinese, that was the case. So I generally think that they just don't want them there, but yeah, we'll see. Just kind of a weird situation, like this is happening uh, by Africans in African country. And then I think the other thing we should remember is that no African calls themselves black. Well, maybe in South Africa, but if you go to a Malawi and say, hey, can I find some black people? Like, they're going to look at you funny. They're going to be like, wait, why are you calling <laughs> We're us all over the place. You have, like... these, you have these individual ethnic groups, but you just use the word black. Like, black is a very American term. Yeah, it is. Like, like, even, like, for example, Nigeria. Canadian. Like, if you're in Nigeria 
and you talk about black people, they're just going to be utterly confused. Like they're like, okay, you have what? Igbo people, you have Yoruba people, you have yeah, people, you have Fulani people, you have, the Lebeau, you have or... other people. There are more ethnic groups, I swear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of ethnic I'm not going to name all of them because I don't have them memorized off the top of my head, yeah. but there's just a couple. Did you want to move on or do you have anything okay. else to say? Or yes. I don't. I did want to move on because okay. this next one is kind of a long topic. Okay, go ahead. So we got a war going on, or if you don't oh, want yeah. to call it a war, it's a, a conflict. Police. No, not the police thing. No, I mean, no, it's a police action. That's what they call the Korean War. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were talking about like some of that stuff in America. Like, no, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Not yet. Like least. a police action. <laughs> I mean, like a police action that's got a war. We'll see what happens after the election, but yeah. Yeah. So we've got the 2020 Nagorno-Karabakh conflict that we have to talk about. Oh, yes. And it is between Azerbaijan and the Republic, in air quotes, of Artsakh, which is allied with Armenia. So let's just give a little backstory of the whole situation. So Nagorno-Karabakh is the region... That is in currently, it's currently in Azerbaijan by law, and most countries recognize it as part of Azerbaijan. But it's inhabited by Armenians, or at least mostly, it's mostly Armenians, and it has been part of the Armenian lands for thousands of years. It was part of the ancient Armenian kingdom, and then when that fell, it was part of the Sassanid Empire, and then when the Sassanid Empire fell, it was part of the Arab Caliphate, and then after the Arabs began to fragment into a bunch of different states, Nagorno-Karabakh was divided between a bunch of small Armenian feudal petty principalities, and then it was conquered in the 17-1800s by the Persians, and then they lost it to the Russians, and then after World War One, it was for some reason part of the Azeri SSR instead of the got, um, Armenian SSR. Got Transcaucasia somewhere in there, but okay. Yes, it was part of Transcaucasia for a little while, but <laughs> I, I just decided to exclude that because that was only like a thing for three years. I only know that because I actually have a dollar bill from Transcaucasia. And oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, was, I have a feeling they are definitely worth mentioning because it was, a, it was a, one of those weird places where it's like, it's like Serbia and Montenegro, like when they were still the same country, yeah, they broke away from Yugoslavia, but they really had it broken away from Yugoslavia. Just like with Transcaucasia, because they were still a part of each other. Just like with Transcaucasia, they had broke away from the Soviet Union, but they hadn't broken away from the Soviet Union. Yeah. And then uh, it was part of the Azeri SSR for decades. And then in the 80s, this sounds really weird, but the Azeri SSR basically went to war with the Armenian SSR, both while they were part of the Soviet Union nominally, because at that point the Soviet Union was beginning to collapse. Then after they declared their independence... They just declared war on each other over Nagorno-Karabakh because Armenia basically said, hey, those are Armenians in that land. We want it. And Armenia won. And it's really weird what happened next. It transferred into the control of an unrecognized state called the Republic of Artsakh that was occupied by, by the Armenian military. But yet no countries, not even Armenia 
itself recognized the Republic of Artsakh as an independent country. And even weirder, the Republic of Artsakh's borders aren't even the borders of the original Nagorno-Karabakh area. There are some weird areas in there that aren't part of the Nagorno-Karabakh, but are just controlled by the Armenian military anyways. And there are some other parts that are actually part of Nagorno-Karabakh that are controlled by Azerbaijan. So, the fighting resumed September 27th. Both countries claim, uh, sorry, Armenia and Azerbaijan both claim each other started the war. We'll get to who we actually think started it in a little bit. There have been many military and civilian deaths. And the weird thing about that, this war is that this war is one of those wars where each side just likes to deny. It's just a deny, deny, deny war. Like, for example, Azerbaijan make claim that Armenia has some weapon they're using against them. Like then the Armenia's like, no, we don't. We don't have that. We don't have that. And then Armenia said the same thing about Azerbaijan. I can get into the death counts later. I have those written down, but I don't think that's super important right now. Or super fun. And this is going to turn into something nasty, especially because we have outside powers. Like, for example, we have Turkey massively supporting Azerbaijan because they're both Turkish Muslim countries. Maybe not the... The Muslim part is probably less important than the Turkish part. Azerbaijan and Turkey are kind of like Spain and Portugal. They're just like really close in their histories. Um, There are some other countries that are supporting Azerbaijan. Afghanistan, Pakistan, Hungary, Ukraine, and Northern Cyprus, another so-called country, which is not really a country, but whatever, have sided with Azerbaijan. And regular Cyprus, as well as uh, the unrecognized countries of Transnistria and Abkhazia have supported Artsakh, I guess the Armenians, and Abkhazia has even offered Sakhumi, which is their so-called capital, as a place to begin negotiations to end the conflict. Most countries are neutral. I'd say the, ne- the notable neutral countries are China, France, Georgia, Germany, Greece, Iran, India, Kazakhstan, Russia, Saudi Arabia, the UK, and the US, as well as the Vatican. <laughs> and Turkey also claims that many members of the YPG, which is a Syrian Kurdish militia, and the PKK, which is the Kurdistan Workers' Party, have gone to Nagorno-Karabakh to help the Armenians. And it has been verified that there are a lot of Syro-Armenians or Armenians in Syria so ethnically Armenian Syrians who are in Nagorno-Karabakh fighting for the Armenian side. And I do have a whole timeline right here, but I will only reference it when it is needed. I do not want to spend 20 minutes going through the timeline. But what do you think about this, Andy? It's a pretty big deal. I mean, like, there are so many separatists. I mean, they're fighting over Nagorno-Karabakh. Nagorno-Karabakh wants to break away. You have South Ossetia who wants to break away. There's apparently getting involved. You have Abkhazia. You have Dagestan. You have Chechnya. You have, um, uh, you have, uh, you have, uh, Northern Cyprus. Oh, yeah. Northern Cyprus. I mean, kind of. You have Somaliland, too. That's the other one. In yeah. the Sahrawi yeah. Arab Democratic Republic. It's, it's like, that's the final one. It's literally, it's literally just a war of separatist movements. I mean, although none of them have gotten involved militarily yet. Yeah, but still, it's like, oh, okay. There is also another new separatist movement which we didn't plan to talk about, but I believe. Arsac? No, that's no, not the North North There's bad. a Western Togoland in Ghana wants to become independent. Oh yeah, I've, I've heard of them before. There's it's also in, a new movement for. Benzeruru, I think they're called. I'm not sure. 
but yeah, it's kind of crazy what's going on. So, who started it? It seems that Azerbaijan started it. I mean, there are really two reasons why we can think this. One is because a lot of military experts who are not Armenians or Azeris think that Azerbaijan started it. And two, why would Armenia start this? Like, Armenia has all it wants. Yeah. Like, no reason for Armenia to start this. It's just Actually, like, they, if, like they wanna, if they want to hang on to land, there is a reason for them to start it. Like, like but it's was, like you don't start a you don't start a war to keep your land. You start a war to I, to gain land. It's so I know it's like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're already losing it to. Do you, have you ever heard of the Western Armenian separatist movement? Like, are the Western Armenians in Turkey? Yeah, no, there's a Western Armenia separatist movement. It's like I think they're pretty minor then. I don't know. Yeah, I know that's a thing. Like, there's a whole movement to have half of, like, okay, so let's see what, like, find a map of Nagorno-Karabakh, and it's like, you're losing, like, most of Armenia. If you include the Western Armenians, and then you include Nagorno-Karabakh, like, you're down to a really small Armenia. It's like if you gave Belgium back to, like, the Dutch and the French and the Germans, you'd have, like, almost no Belgium left. So, you wouldn't I mean, have a Belgium back. <laughs> no, it'd just be Never Brussels. Belgium. It'd just be this little city state, Brussels, sitting in the middle of Europe. <laughs> yeah, or if you did like or if, or if you just let all the little like ethnic groups in central like the Baltic states have their like you'd have Kosovo, you'd have the Spurston Republic, you'd have oh man, it'd be like it'd be so many countries there, it'd be insane. So I do see a reason why Armenia should be fighting this. I mean they're about to lose most of Armenia, so well, I disagree. I don't think Western Armenia is a serious issue right now. I don't think that that's a serious movement. Generally, separatist movements are ethnic, and there's no main ethnic group in Western Armenia besides the Armenians. <laughs> yeah. Usually, Western Armenia historically referred to the area that is now Eastern Turkey because that was all Armenian before the Armenian genocide in the 1916, uh, 1916 to 1920, I believe. 1918, sometime in that uh, time, I don't remember the exact dates, due to the uh, young Turks who carried that out. The three Pashas, to be more specific, who were very intent on exterminating the Armenians and the Greeks and the Assyrians. Those are some other groups who were involved with the genocide there. But um, as far as assigning a moral judgment to this war, it's kind of hard to... So let's start with things. Let's start with this first. Nagorno-Karabakh should have never been part of Azerbaijan. Like, why? Why was it... Why, Russia, did you put it in the Azeri SSR instead of the Armenian one? Like, why did that happen? You had, you had the ability to switch it over to the Armenian SSR, and it wouldn't have been the situation it is now. It's very similar with the Crimea situation, actually, where Crimea is mostly Russian, but it, for some reason it was uh, transferred to the Ukrainians in the 50s, and that ended up causing a big kerfuffle there. And, of course, Russia has annexed Crimea. And the second thing to mention is that, although it should have been part of Armenia, the Armenians should just, shouldn't have just invaded uh, Azerbaijan to take control of it, like... No, you shouldn't have done that. 
and there have been claims that the Armenian uh, controlled uh, areas and the Republic of Artsakh have massacred Azeris there. I don't know if that's true. I have to look into it. It very well could be true, I mean, but I don't know. legit dictatorship, so I mean, like if they're claiming that, who knows? If yeah, who knows? Genocide of Azeris. I mean, on this podcast, we're probably not going to support genocide of the other. We're not going to be supporting genocide anytime soon. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, we are an anti genocide podcast. Yes, so we are. We do not support the genocide of any ethnic group or any religious group, just so uh, you genocide loving people know go to hell, basically. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and then, I, mean, I have to backtrack to a point you made, though, because okay. you said most. I know this is kind of off topic, but you've said that most separatist movements are ethnic. Like, yes, ethnic which ones or religious. are ethnic or religious? Wait a minute, ethnic? That makes uh, that doesn't that that doesn't that doesn't seem like it's. I mean, think about it. Like, what what major separatist movements aren't ethnic or religious? Like, Quebec I mean, is ethnic. Um, and it's lingu- and linguistic and kind of yeah. That's what well. ethnic and linguistic I'm and religious together. in a way because but, uh, they're French. Can- they are French Canadians there, and they're separating yeah. from English Canadians. For example, in England, Scotland wants to be independent. They're ethnic Scots. Cornwall is not really. There's in not English. a serious. There is a small in, um, independence movement there, but it's in not really that serious yeah. and not really an ethnic one. It's like so it's like or Yorkshire. Yeah, like, like that's not going to happen. Or, like, there's no um, separatist movement in Norway, for example. Like, there's yeah, no Ian <laughs> separatist movement or Trondelogs. And, like, and like, we wouldn't even get into Sweden, because that's kind of a weird spot. Sweden, there's no... Uh, there's the Island Islands. It's a complicated situation, though. Yeah. But, uh, there's not really a serious separatist movement, except for the Sami people up north. Formerly called the Laplanders, uh, but... That's not a term that people use anymore. They don't like that. So we are calling them the Sammy people. And Sammy or Sampy? I don't know. Sammy. S-A-M-I. Oh, okay. I saw, I've heard a different name, which had a P in it. But anyways. Sapmi? That might no, be. No, Sampy. Sampy. S-A-M-P-I? I think so. Um, I'm not familiar with that, but I don't know. Hmm. We'll look into that later. Yeah. But anyway... I was going to say, to finish this whole analysis, so Armenia shouldn't have invaded, and it should be part of Azerbaijan legally, but I don't think that it's really good for Azerbaijan to have the territory back, because as much as I don't think that Armenia, like, should just annex it, you know what's going to happen after they take it back. Like, they are going to basically ethnically cleanse the region, they're going to do, like, a small... I mean, maybe. I don't know if you want to call it a genocide, but you could, they are definitely going to try to force everyone they, to leave, to flee to Armenia. And you know this, and Erdogan in Turkey, he, this would be like a dream for him. So, yeah. Dang, three podcasts and, in a row we've bullied Turkey. Interested. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> Turkey Turkey's in the center of the world, basically. Like, not, not geographically, but culturally, it's in the center of the world. Yeah, it's, about it. like it's surrounded by, like you got Africa to the south, Europe, Europe to the west, and you got Asia to the east. So it's like it's it's right in the middle of the world. And I mean, the Ottoman Empire was a three continent empire, so yeah, that's a pretty big deal. And yeah, we'll see. It's uh, it's it's looking like it's going to be a pretty grim situation. I don't expect a super quick end to the conflict. 
a lot of the fighting right now has been going on in the city of, hold on, let me get out that name, Martyrkurt, or not in Martyrkurt, but near Martyrkurt, which is a small, it's a small city, large town. I don't know what you want to call it, but it is, <laughs> it's near the border with Azerbaijan. It's not actually in Nagorno-Karabakh proper. It's, an, it's one of those areas where it's not even in the original Nagorno-Karabakh, but it's just controlled by the Armenian military. So Azerbaijan wants to take it back. And there's another city there called a Tartar. It has no connection to the Crimean Tartars or anything. But uh, it's, t- it's Tatar, remember? Tatar, sorry. Has no connection to the Crimean Tatars. But uh, yeah, there's a big fighting area. And then both sides have fired into the countries proper. Like, for example, the Azeris have been firing into Vardinus, which is inside Armenia proper. So not inside Nagorno-Karabakh. It is just inside the country of Armenia. And then the Armenians have been doing it in Dashkasan, which is in Azerbaijan. Like, it's not in a disputed area. They're just firing in there anyway. So I think the ideal situation would be um, Azerbaijan keeps uh, Nagorno-Karabakh, but gives it a massive amount of autonomy. And then you have some sort of an open border between uh, the Nagorno-Karabakh area and Armenia. I think that'd just be the best situation. Try to do what uh, the UK and Ireland have done with the Good Friday Agreement. Although, who knows what will happen to that? We will definitely be covering that in a future episode when there is news on it because uh, I have some pretty strong opinions on that. So that is on what? Wait, on what? On the Good Friday Agreement and the whole oh, UK, okay. Ireland. Well, yeah, because you. Because you are like part Irish Catholic, I think you said so. You, yeah, no, no. Right my, to. my grandfather is uh he's mostly Irish Catholic. Yeah, so you have you have a right to me. I'm 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 one of those like I'm one of those Nordic people. Anyways, um, are you a uh, old German? Stock? Are you are you Anglo? <laughs> I'm like part German, part Polish, part Norwegian. Oh hey, that's cool. And apparently, about twenty-three generations back, Egyptian. Anyways, um, like the tip of my fingernail equals about how much Egyptian I how it's Egyptian funny. I am. My, uh, my grandpa's uh, DNA. He got one of those twenty-three and me's, and a while ago it came back as like one percent Jewish, but then it just disappeared. Like the uh-huh. last time we checked it, and it's like zero percent Jewish, and it's like what happened? <laughs> like I want that one percent Jewish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. For me, it wouldn't even be one percent; it'd be point two five percent. Although, yeah. <laughs> uh, my grandmother is mostly, my grandmother's from Germany. We found out that she actually is like about thirty five percent Polish. She's, um, so, yeah, it's a good chance that there might be some Jewish in there, but it's probably very minuscule. But, yeah. So, I mean, I'd argue the other way. I mean, we're talking about Azerbaijan here. I mean, like they're a legit dictatorship. I mean, it's a good point. They're like, I mean, I'm not saying like, I know you're Mr. You just, you're, you're like earlier today, you're like, kids are cool, but like, honestly, like, no, they're, no, I don't like, mean that in like a way that like every country should have a king. I just think it's interesting and kind of cool that we, oh, okay. It's like, no, I don't want America to become, I'm not a monarchist. I don't want to, I know, I know, I know, I know. I was like, I find it funny because you're <laughs> like, no, I'm totally against the new Azerbaijan party controlling everything to be in a dictatorship. I mean, if you give the door of power back to Armenia, you're putting them in the hands of a democracy. I mean, like, they'll be, like, representative stuff. This is, like, a dictatorship where, I mean, does representation really matter in dictatorships? That made a generic topic that probably deserves its own episode, but yeah. And ideally, I mean, if you were going to give me a world map and say, okay, 
we have just the whole UN has decided that you should redraw all of the borders. I would absolutely draw Nagorno-Karabakh into Armenia. Like, there's no reason for it to be in Azerbaijan. Yeah. But just, like, right now, like, you just can't do that. Like, you can't just, like, give pieces of countries to other countries. Like, there are a lot of cases like that. Like, oh, it example, happens all the time. You can't, can't get, like, for example, Iran is populated with a lot of Azeris in the north. You can't just give that territory to Azerbaijan. I mean, unfortunately, I, like, doesn't work from- like that. We're the last people who should be telling you this because, remember, the U.S. tried to buy Greenland, and then we also yeah. apparently bought the U.S. Virgin Islands as well. Yeah, we and... We bought uh, a lot of our own territory after a lot of wars. It's a big deal, but we will be updating you guys on this, and we will be following this like a hawk. It's one of our stories along with the Uyghurs and, and some of our other ones where it's just like... And Turkey. <laughs> and Turkey. Well, Turkey is actually... Turkey's kind of hypocritical here where they're like they were calling out the Uyghurs and it's like wow way to go Turkey but then it's also like they're also one of the countries who uh, refused to acknowledge the Armenian genocide last I I checked their stats we have no listeners in Turkey so yeah we're safe for a while Um, I I don't think we have a good opportunity uh, considering the way that Erdogan's taking the country I'm pretty sure he's just going to ban he's probably going to ban Spotify in the future or Google Podcasts or like, I don't know, it's legal in uh, RSS feed or whatever you were listening yeah. to this on. Yeah. So, we'll see. Yes. Do you have any final statements on this? I had something, and now it left my brain. Silly brain. Anyways, uh, no. So, not anymore. Um, you want to move on to our next story? Yeah, let's move on to our next story. It's, I think it's your story. Yes, it is. We move from one European democracy to the next. Uh, so recently, I'm um, on September. I don't know what day it was. That's sad. I keep thinking it's September 23rd. It's October 3rd. No, the day this happened on. But like. Oh, okay. Oh, Sunday. So it was the Sunday before September 27th. My screenshot saved me. Thank you, screenshot. Um. So, this is about Germany. So this touched my newsfeed for a couple hours and then it went away and I've been saving it because not only am I interested in German politics and how they use a PR system and first past the post and the fact that they're under only one system can you win less than 5% of the seats. Despite of all those interesting things, the German Green Party, who if you're an American Green, you should be, you should absolutely love because fun fact, the American Green Party was inspired by the Germans Green Parties, the success of the German Green Party in the 80s. For a little more background here, Germany is split up into 16 provinces of different statuses, I believe. And so one of these provinces, which is called North Rhine-Westphalia, fun fact, I did a project involving the government of North Rhine-Westphalia, which is too long to get into now. But it is a home of the city of Cologne in Germany and is in the northeast bordering Belgium and the Netherlands. So uh, the Sunday before the 27th, which don't know what that would have been, but actually, wait, no, wrong day. Never mind. Anyway, so in multiple uh, local elections, such as in the cities of Aachen, if I'm pronouncing that right, in Bonn, Germany's Green Party, who is kind of interesting because like they're a major party, but they're green, won in a few of the mayoral runoff races in uh, North Rhine-Westphalia and in Northern Germany. 
So I wish I had more information on these candidates, but either all the information was in German, a language I do not speak, or not even there, just their Facebook pages and possibly their campaign pages, which I'm surprised I could find considering how far from Germany I am. So a candidate called Sibyl Kupen won more than two thirds of the vote in Aachen in Bonn, uh, former German capital. Nor Katja Dorner, who was an ex-member of Bundestag from a local, these probably the local Bundestag and the, the German dates, they all have like really different names for their local legislatures. Uh, Katja Dorner is her name. She made it to the runoff in a mayoral race in North Rhine-Westphalia. And in uh, Wuppertal, somebody by the name of Uwe Schneiderwind made it to the runoff there. So, I mean, at one point, I know Greens were the favored party in Germany. I just think this is interesting because their popularity jumped from 11% to 20%. At one point, they were one of the most the favorite part. The, the, I can't say anything today. Like the uh, highest polling party in Germany for their next election. First, I think they probably dropped to the main two parties, the or three, depending on what your opinion of German politics is. The uh, CDU, CSU, which is, or CSUB, I guess you could call it, which is the Christian Democratic Union and Christian Democratic Union Bavaria, and the Social Democratic Christian Social Union, thank you, sorry. Christian Social Union Bavaria, I had that in my brain, and it just changed to Christian Democratic. Don't know why. Silly brain. Unless you're in Thuringia, which as third parties jumping up all, it's, like, it's kind of weird because that's the far right versus the far left in their local legislature. I find it like North Rhine-Westphalia, like if you don't look for a major third party, if you look at their electoral history, I mean, like except for their last local election in 2017, where Christian Lindner, who's the leader of the National Free Democratic Party, which is like some, I think like right libertarians, who got third place, like the German, like the North Rhine-Westphalian Green Party is gotten third place in all of their elections since or third place or better since 2000 when i think the free democrats got third in that one but yeah i mean it's a major thing i think we should definitely be keeping everybody updated on because germany is quickly i know we thomas and i have discussed this before but i think germany i mean does this mean a three-party system like, well I it's know. like i think it's just going to be a uh, whichever party people like system like i don't think it's going to really be a party system like i think it's just going to have like parties that compete which is cool i mean that's never going to happen in the u.s you're always going to have the democrats and republicans it's probably never going to happen in the uk it's probably just always going to be the conservatives and labor and it's probably never going to happen in um like, don't say canada why well i don't know about canada canada is a bit special it's not going to happen in australia for sure Oh yeah, no way. Like, no, I I was the yeah, recently liberals and the labor, so yeah, 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 or the liberal national coalition and the labor party, yeah, um, and uh, New Zealand and, and any of those other countries. So it's just gonna yeah. be kind of the way it is, and I guess no. India too, if we want to go center. No, the, India has has had major third party runs before. But like right now, it's in, isn't it the BJP and the INC? Well, it's mostly just the BJP, but anyways, yeah, I was just say like. It was kind of funny, like, I was reading the Center Alliance, which is, like, a tiny party in Australia. I was reading their platform, were like, we're, we know we're never going to win a government, like, but we still run. <laughs> we still have this, we can still make a change in Australia. Those but, types of runs are freaking hilarious. Wait, like, yeah, we know, we're not going to actually win. 
We're never going to build a government, but we can still, <laughs> we're still going to win. I was watching the Canadian debate in 2019 between all the leaders, and Yves Francois Blanchet was hilarious because he's like, you know, I, I can't do a French accent, but he was like, you know, if I'm, uh, if I'm elected in Quebec, you know, I'm not really going to be doing much outside of Quebec, but uh, yeah, Quebec's cool. Like, that was basically I mean, yeah. just this whole time. It's basically mean, just they, what he said the whole time. To be fair, though, they got, a, they got an opposition under Lucien Bouchard, but, like, I mean, that was a... Like, yeah. Lucien but Bouchard, he was, he was the restarting of um, the Bloc Quebecois. I want to see these regional separatist parties try running candidates outside of their region. Like, I just want to see what happens. Like, I want the SNP to run candidates in London, and I want to see the Bloc Quebecois <laughs> running candidates in British, in British Columbia. Yeah, it's funny would have been... to see what happens. Or it's like, hmm, who knows? You know, yeah. every once in a while, you probably have one of them win for some weird reason, where it's like, Ooh, a bunch of French Canadians going to college in this one writing. Uh, PQ is one in Alberta. Yeah, no, that'd, <laughs> that'd, be, writing. that'd like, be hilarious. No, yeah. it's like, I don't know. Anyway, back to the Greens. Yeah, no, Thuringia is weird. Thuringia, yeah. they have uh, Die Link and a uh, alternative for Deutschland. Yeah. And I think alternative for Deutschland is thankfully on the decline, but yeah. And Die Link is just a extension of the Communist Party in East Germany. It's basically just the Communist Party, except they don't call themselves communists anymore. But yeah. they've never really been a big deal. Although they've been a big, I guess they've been important for support, but they've never actually been in the running for winning. I mean, if you look at past Bundestag, it's basically just been everybody versus Dialink and AFD. I mean, although look at all the more every it's more everyone versus AFD because I mean Dialink yeah. is able to make some coalitions with like the SPD and the Greens. Yeah, but, no, they're no. I mean, that was like, the big issue in 2017 because like Merkel didn't have a majority, and originally their uh, the Social Democrats were like, "We're not doing that grand coalition thing again." <laughs> yeah, and then. No, Merkel's like, shoot, I'll try to court the FDP and the Greens. And then they're like, no. And she's oh, like, oh, I want to make make a coalition. I believe you're talking about the Jamaica coalition. Let yeah, me. I'm talking about the Jamaica coalition. And then the Social Democrats are like, fine, we'll do a grand coalition again. And it uh, seems fine now. I mean, I went to Germany in 2019. It's a great place. Uh, they have a nice standard of living and people seem more happy there than they do in America. So. Yeah, no, well, I don't... Yeah, let's try going with their party system. I mean, who doesn't love Merkel, anyways? Uh, well, under their party well, system. No, I mean, you're, like, you're weird. You're weirdos in, like, a sort of far-right and far-left spheres. Hey, yeah. Merkel, she's a sellout globalist. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the majority of Germans like Merkel, and she's respected yeah. on the national stage. Yeah, but she's, she's, she's not going to be running for... No, yeah, she's, not. she's gonna retire. Actually, one of the people who ran in CDU's leadership election actually came up in the article. One of the articles I was reading about the German Greens, Amin Lachette. That like I don't even know who's running. Who's gonna be running in twenty twenty two? I know was, there was um, Anna Grad, whatever. Her, yeah, Trump she's Caramel. leaving. Yeah, yeah, she she left, and then CDU had a leadership election. Let me see if I can pull it up. Where they elected right. somebody else. No, it's gonna happen in the future. It hasn't happened yet. No, it. Yeah, it's happening December fourth. Yeah, Armin Lachette is in it, and so is, so is this guy named Friedrich Mers. And like, to be honest, most of my favorite, the the person I'm like the best here for the CDU is 
Norbert Rotgen, but I don't think this podcast is capable of swaying the vote towards him. Do we have that many German listeners? But yeah. Uh, hey, you know, we might get some. I mean, we have a Belgian listener, so yeah, we have chance we can get um, a German one. And yeah. by the way, if you are interested viewer, if you want a shout out on this podcast, uh, you can DM us again at TWI1244 on Instagram and we will shout you out. And we are on... Just so you know. We are on Reddit as well, and I believe there's some way to get to our Reddit from our Instagram. I'm just not sure how that is. But uh, And we can... We're on VK, so if you're a Russian, you're yeah. interested in it. Yeah, even though that... Yeah, even though we have had no success there. But, it, yeah. Um, we'll, uh, we'll get to the CDU leadership election in December when it actually happens. But, yeah. Do you want to get to the Trump story, or... Do you I not mean, want to? Do you wanna, I just did a story. I mean, you're the one who brought this up before we started recording. So yeah, I don't even need to take notes for this one. Yeah, no, yeah, no. So what story we've never had to take notes or get an article for? Yeah, no, no notes required for this one. So Trump has COVID. Yep. And he's not the first leader to have COVID, of course. Bolsonaro had COVID, famous. and more famously, Boris Johnson had COVID. Both right-wing guys to varying extents. Bolsonaro's probably like, yeah, he's kind of a fascist-leaning guy. He might not be a fascist, but he's definitely fascist-leaning. Yeah, Boris Johnson's just basically your like, kind of average conservative guy. That's what he just turned into. But anyway, um, Trump has COVID. Melania, his wife, does too. And a bunch of the people in his cabinet have COVID. Oh, yeah. Hope Hicks, who is his personal secretary i believe or one of his advisors no she's his counselor that's who it is um then a bunch of the senators have covid too i believe mike lee from utah has covid chris christie former governor he's not a senator anymore he was never a senator he's not a governor anymore he was the former governor but he does has covid tom tillis from north carolina has covid i think there are a couple others who have covid too but and there will be more just so you know I can't see the future, so yeah, I will not be able to tell okay. you who those are. So, I have then, a few. Those are. Go ahead, sorry. Go ahead, and then ahead. also the president of Notre Dame has COVID. And the only reason I bring that up is because Trump's Supreme Court pick, Amy Coney Barrett, she was going to have some event, or she did have some event near the uh, White House. And people think that that's how COVID spread to the president and the president of Notre Dame which is where she originally taught. President Notre Dame went to that event, and a lot of people think someone there, probably Hope Hicks, spread COVID to all these people. And Trump's in the hospital. Chris Christie's in the hospital. Melania is not in the hospital. So, yeah. Will Trump die? Probably not. Trump probably will not die. Will Christie die? Maybe. I don't know. He's pretty poor health, but we'll see. I mean, Trump's old. I mean, no offense to people who are older than Trump, but Trump's old. I mean, I'm going to say that right now. I also have a few predictions on this, too. So if Trump does die, here's my prediction. Mm -hmm. Mike Pence does not run, because he's obviously been around the president a lot, so he might get COVID. Joe Jorgensen becomes the other major candidate in the 2020 election. (laughs) And she will lose. My prediction is she she will lose to Biden because... She, the, the libertarians are like a nutso party in the United States. Like, I don't know about other countries, libertarians, but here they're nuts. And like, 
then I might actually decide to support Biden if just because I don't want JoJo becoming president of the United States because I can't even imagine well, what that would be like. And well, so, here's... So, oh, sorry. So, but like if Trump does die and Pence takes over as your COVID election bookie, I will say, like, I think Pence would win against Biden. because I don't think seems, so. He seems calmer than Trump and he also seems calmer than Biden. He's kind of a center-right type guy, I think. I mean, he's not like a Freedom Caucuser, which is what most uh, of the Republicans are. Is, he, is he really not a Freedom Caucus? He's pretty hardcore right. He's definitely more conservative than Trump. He's I mean, just it's nicer Indiana. than Trump. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, that's I <laughs> nicer than Trump. If you're nicer than Trump, you're probably, I mean, I don't think you're in the Freedom You can be far right and be nicer than Trump. Like, I'm pretty sure you'll find some Nazis nicer who have nice manners, but that doesn't mean that they're <laughs> like, um, and by the way, don't take that as I'm not comparing Pence to a Nazi. He's not a Nazi, just so you know. You're yeah. probably going to have some, like, person who's triggered by that and be like, oh, Thomas compare Pence to a Nazi. No, I did not compare Pence to a Nazi, but. You're going to have some Nazis who are probably, like, nice people, but you know, <laughs> yeah. they're Paul. that doesn't make their politics good. They're still yeah. horrible human beings. Yeah. So, and then I guess the other thing is, here's why Pence wouldn't win to Biden. Trump has just died. Like, literally, I swear. It doesn't even matter. Like, if Republicans could put up, like, the best candidate they got, and Biden would still win. Because, like, literally, Trump just died. The Republican Party would be in chaos. Like, what would happen? Like, so, like, for example, if Trump died now, which he is, he's not dead, and he probably isn't dead by the time we're going to be uploading this, but if Trump died on October 3rd, 2020, I don't know what the Republicans would do. Like, I'm pretty sure a lot of the ballots have been printed. So would a Republican voter just mark Trump and Pence, or would they just, like, not vote, or would they vote third party? Like, probably third party. Republicans Republicans doing different things. And, I mean, Mike Pence, like would he even be the one to replace Trump on the ballot? I think so, but I don't even know. We've never had this happen before. I mean, the closest thing we had, I believe, was 1870... Hold on. Who was that one guy who died after 11 days? Horace Greeley, where he was running in the election, I believe, as a liberal Republican. He had created that party <laughs> against uh, Ulysses S. Grant, who's just the quote-unquote regular Republican. And he lost... But then before all the votes were counted, he died. So he lost, like, he already known he'd lost before he died, but he died. But that was after the election. So I don't know what would happen if a president died before the election. There'd be a lot of chaos. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like, I think Jorgensen would definitely have a chance if Trump died. I mean, I think she'd have, like, I think she would get, like, 15% of the vote. No more. I mean, there's no way Biden would win that 85 to 13. No, 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 no. She would, no. What would happen, I think, is you'd have Biden probably winning with about 60% of the vote, and then you'd have maybe, you'd probably have, I'd say, Mike Pence. You'd have a Republican who would be Donald Trump, but he would be dead. So you would have Donald Trump by name. I guess it'd just be Donald Trump deceased or something like that. And he'd get like 20% of the vote. And then you'd have like Mike Pence himself like by writing who would get like five percent of the vote and then you have joe jorgensen and howie hawkins and a bunch of other people getting like the rest of the vote which would be like 15 but yeah i don't think biden would not win every state in that case i mean people are just too polarized but he would definitely sweep i mean like 
that I, there's nothing good that would come out of come out of this situation for Republicans if Trump were going to die. Yeah. And uh, again, this is he's not going to die. The COVID death rate is pretty low. I mean, it's worse than the flu, but it's not a it's not a 20% death rate and I mean, he has the best care that anyone could have. Like, he's the president, and he will be treated with everything. Like, it's not like you have your average Joe who's just like, can't buy a bunch of medicine because he's poor. Yeah, we'll see, but I don't know. This whole COVID thing is just going to be very strange. Yeah, I mean, and if if they did yeah. have to name a new Republican nominee, like, they're not going to name somebody like Lindsey Graham. They're not going to, like, oh, name gosh, another yeah. somebody who's, they're not going to name another, like, neo-trumper or whatever like they're not going to name a mitch mcconnell or lindsey graham well pretty much everyone's a neo-trumper now except for like the northeast republicans well yeah i know the funny thing is i don't want like a bunch of pro-trump websites like they all predict that that, like he's gonna win like vermont and maine it's kind of silly dude i see these ridiculous um youtube accounts that have uh, there are a lot of election prediction like youtube accounts there's some good ones there's some really terrible ones, too. And there's, like, this one guy, and he just has Trump winning every time. And he did, like, a Tucker Carlson 2024 scenario, and he got Tucker Carlson. If you don't know who he is, he's a Fox News host. Um, Tucker Carlson winning Oregon. It's like, I've been to Oregon, like, uh, dozens of times. A Republican, especially, like, a Trump-style Republican like Tucker Carlson, is not going to win nationally in Oregon. Like, I don't know, you'd have to import a bunch of Wyomingites to Oregon. <laughs> yeah, to, you'd have to. Get a chance of going Republican. And then, then like, like wait, who knows? Wait a minute, is it even possible to have a mass migration from Wyoming? It's like 500,000 people there, like. It's less, I think. I think it's like 300,000. Yeah, like, is it even possible to have a mass migration with 300, with the pop, with the Wyoming-sized state? I don't think so. I don't know if Yellowstone erupted, there'd be a mass migration. Well, yeah, well, then I think they'd probably give, start giving away Wyoming. Because, like, I mean, who's going to live there after a Yellowstone eruption? Well, I guess it'd just be, like, a national park or something. Yeah, it'd just be, like, this massive national park co-owned by, like, Idaho, Montana, and all the surrounding states. But yeah, they, no, they just, like, a... give it to Montana and Idaho. Although Idaho would be pretty wrecked, too, so maybe they just give that to Washington State. Okay, now that's biased, because, anyways. You really only have a couple options. You have Oregon... <laughs> Yeah, there's no way. What about Arizona and New Mexico? They're way too far away. Like oh, you'd have to get through Utah and Colorado first. Oh, well, what Colorado about Utah and Colorado? And Utah, I don't think they're interested. They might be interested. No, they're they might get, they might get hit by Yellowstone too. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? I have to look at exactly where Yellowstone is on the map. I don't have it memorized, but I'd have to look. But I did see a map a while ago of uh, what would happen if Yellowstone erupted. Do you have any final thoughts on this whole Trump thing? Yeah, I mean, if Yellowstone erupted, there'd definitely be a, a border war between all the states. And anyways, uh, oh, no, not really. Yeah, no, yeah, no. A bunch of like pro-gun LDS Utah people arming themselves. Interested. Anyways, no, I don't. Do you? No, I don't. Okay, so uh, I guess that's all. Has Thomas already mentioned our our Instagram asked? name? It's, yes. Thank this you. will be the third time. Third time's the charm. Twi one two four zero four. And then I have all of our listening platforms in front of me right here. We are on Anchor. We are on Breaker. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on Pocket Casts. We are on Radio Public. And we are on Spotify. And our RSS feed is https 
colon slash slash anchor dot fm slash s slash 316e982c slash podcast slash rss so that is our rss feed if you are interested we might have it on more platforms soon we'll see but yeah i think we're done so this is this week international signing off yes see y'all later folks